You are listening to the Vibrant Life Podcast, episode 77, When You Don't Like Someone. The Vibrant Life. Hey you, welcome back to the Vibrant Life Podcast, your go-to source for navigating the roller coaster of life. I'm your host, Emily Romrell, your trusty companion on this journey to living our best lives. Today we're tackling a topic we've all experienced, those moments when you just can't muster up warm fuzzies for someone. We've all been there, right? Whether it's your quirky neighbor with a lawn gnome obsession, or that colleague who thinks sending emails in all caps is a great idea. (laughs) How do we handle these situations without letting the negativity take over? And what if our feelings go deeper than that? Well, peeps, today we're going to explore all of it. Real quick, though, I have to ask, have you checked out my latest literary projects? First up, we have The Vibrant Life Goal Planner, your secret weapon to turning dreams into actionable steps. It's basically having a life coach in book form, but without the awkward small talk. And you can can begin to use it anytime because it's undated, so be bold and use it even in the middle of the month or any day of the week. And if you're in the mood for a poetic journey, you can dive into Poems, a collection of my musings on the meaning of life. It's a collection of my personal poetry, and I think you'll love it. All right, enough about me. Let's get back to the good stuff. (laughs) Grab your favorite snack, cozy up in your happy place, and let's look at those I don't like you moments together, because let's face it, life's too short for unnecessary grudges. You should know by now that I love researching ideas from psychology and personal development experts. They have so much to offer as we navigate this crazy life. And I think it's fascinating to learn about how human nature works and how we can continually grow and become better versions of ourselves. And to guide us through the challenge of dealing with people we don't like, I found a lot of wisdom from psychologist Dr. Robert Cialdini. And Dr. Cialdini is known for his work on the psychology of influence, and it introduces us to the principle of liking. In his book called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, he emphasizes the power of establishing common ground to enhance likability. According to Dr. Cialdini, people are more likely to connect positively when they perceive similarities with others. So when faced with someone you're not exactly clicking with, You can take a page from Dr. Cialdini's book and seek out common interests or shared experiences. It could be a passion for the same sports team or a love for similar music or even shared responsibilities. Maybe you're both moms with young kids or maybe you share responsibilities at work. Finding these points of connection lays the groundwork for improved understanding and a more harmonious relationship. Practically applying Dr. Cialdini's insights involves uh, some reflection. Consider where you share common ground with the person you're not fond of. And by consciously emphasizing these shared aspects, you create an environment that fosters likability and positive interactions. I'm a total nerd and I love mythology. So something that's kind of helped me apply these ideas even more um, is taking a breath I mean, literally, sometimes you have to take a breath when you don't like someone, but also what I am deciding to call channeling my inner Hermes. <laughs> uh, in Greek mythology, Hermes serves as a messenger and mediator. He's kind of the go-between. He navigates the complexities 
of relationships and communication. He's the bridge between the gods and humanity. So in the modern world, channeling your inner Hermes could be adopting a diplomatic mindset. Imagine being the mediator of your own interactions and finding common ground and fostering understanding. So little visuals or things like that always help me. And much like Hermes, you can consider the middle ground as your sacred territory. Instead of viewing interactions as battlegrounds where you have to fight, see them as opportunities to build bridges. Hermes didn't shy away from diversity. He embraced it. In a similar way, approach those you dislike with an open mind. Seek to understand their perspective and find points of agreement and even amid the differences. In my imagination, I like to visualize building a little more of a bridge each time I have a positive interaction. And after time, the bridge is complete and it's strong and I have a much happier relationship. Speaking of relationships, I think my little dog just got in here on the episode, so uh, just enjoy that little bark of happiness. Practically applying the Hermes approach involves active listening. So when you're engaging with someone you find challenging, listen not just to respond, but to comprehend. And when we understand their motivations, experiences, and viewpoints, it can be the cornerstone of constructing a bridge between the two of you. We all encounter moments that test our patience and empathy. Recently, I've been struggling with a woman I know who always seems on the verge of tears and brings her troubles into every conversation. It's been a hard thing for me, and while I genuinely enjoy being supportive as a listener, um, just negative feelings have started to come over me when our paths cross, and I don't like this. It's something I'm working on. One mental tool that helps me a lot is the CTFR model by Brooke Castillo. I think I've mentioned it before, but I'm not sure. Um, It's a framework for examining and managing thoughts and emotions, and you can Google Brooke Castillo and the model, and she has a lot better ways to teach it than I do, but it helps me navigate challenging situations by choosing new thoughts to positively impact my feelings and my responses. So let's apply this tool with this situation and uh, my friend. So uh, the first thing is your current situation, which is the C. So in this one, um, my current situation is a woman in my social circle consistently brings her problems and emotional distress into our conversations. And then the next part is thoughts, T. And my mind is filled with thoughts like, she's always so negative, I can't handle her right now, or I don't want to deal with this again. Maybe you've had similar thoughts with people sometimes. And then the third uh, letter, F, is for feelings. And these thoughts lead to feelings of frustration, exhaustion, and even resentment. I feel like I'm being dragged down by her constant negativity, and it's affecting my own well-being. So my response is the last one, R, and as a response to these feelings, I tend to withdraw emotionally and actively avoid her. And during our interactions, I usually not along, but internally, I am just waiting for the conversation to end, which that's not a great way to be, right? But the cool thing is after I run through the model in my current way, or my current situation, um, it's a really great way to self-examine what's happening in my life, and then I can change it. So we can apply this uh, CTFR model again and change 
a couple of things and things will get better. So the situation is the same, right? Nothing really changed there. A woman in my social circle consistently brings her problems and emotional distress into our conversations. But I can change my thoughts about the situation. So for the thoughts, instead of focusing on her, neg her negativity, I can choose thoughts like, she must be going through a tough time. I can offer her support without letting it affect me. And I can set boundaries while still being compassionate. So that's helpful, right? Because it puts the power back in my court. And then the feelings uh, change. As a result, my feelings during the interactions change from frustration and exhaustion to compassion and empathy. And I feel lighter and more at peace knowing that I'm offering support without sacrificing my own emotional well-being. And then my response also changes. So with this new perspective, my response evolves into being a supportive listener without feeling emotionally drained. I can engage in conversations from with, with her from a place of empathy, and I can set boundaries when necessary and still offer support. So it gives me more control in my how I engage with her and how I act and how I think. And this has helped me a ton in personal experiences with this woman. She has really no idea of the process I'm currently working through and dealing with her, but I'm different and my inner relationship with her is better. And so that's really great. I do want to stress though that this is a process and it's okay if you don't change your thinking or your paradigms overnight. Um, I'm, I still struggle with this lady sometimes, um, but my relationship is getting better. And so you know, just keep practicing, keep trying to have the better thoughts. And uh, over time, you get better at this skill of using the model. It's really great. Dealing with individuals who have seriously hurt us is on a different level. And it's undeniably one of life's most challenging trials. What do you do when you're not simply annoyed or frustrated with someone, but you're trying to let go of real pain? A couple of days ago, I watched the newest episodes of the Chosen TV series at the movie theater. And I won't give away any spoilers. I'll just say that I cried through a lot of it. <laughs> um, but the principles of repentance and forgiveness were strongly applied. Um, obviously, because it's about Christ and his apostles, right? It's really good. I, if you haven't joined the Chosen train, you're missing out. But uh, one thing that is brought up, this is not a spoiler, but... Um, it talks about in Matthew, the scriptures are actually Matthew 18, 21 to 22, where Peter asked Jesus about the frequency of forgiveness. And he's like, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Jesus responds with the famous counsel, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So, I mean, you could take that literally and say, I'm going to only forgive someone 70 times that's not what this is about. This teaching underscores the principle of limitless forgiveness, which we get from the Savior. So if he gives it to us, we need to try to give it to others. And while it may feel nearly impossible for us to forgive someone who's deeply hurt us, this scripture encourages a continuous effort towards forgiveness, emphasizing that it's a transformative power and it helps us let go. And the truth is forgiveness is equally as important for us, or even more so for our own benefit than it is for the person who wronged us. President Gordon B. Hinckley shared his perspective on forgiveness and stated, 
Without reservation, I say that forgiveness is the purest and most charitable of all virtues. It is the one most closely linked to our own happiness. So, I mean, I just love President Hinckley, but this is really powerful. This wisdom highlights how choosing to forgive leads to emotional healing and peace. I'm not saying it's easy. There's a lot of really hard things that people go through, but if you want true happiness, you got to be willing to forgive those who hurt you. And also, quick note, forgiving someone does not mean that you have to let them back into your life or let them take advantage of you. Safe boundaries are imperative, but who wants to walk around with the weight of bad feelings all the time? I don't. There's a heartwarming story literally named The Gift of Friendship <laughs> um, that is involving a cherry tree and World War II. And it's not only a tale of diplomatic goodwill, but it also uh, shows a rich cultural exchange. So in Japanese culture, cherry blossoms are called uh, sakura, and they hold really deep symbolic significance. Cherry blossoms represent the transient nature of life, and they're a reminder of its beauty and impermanence. In Japan, the sakura, or the cherry blossom season, is a time for Hanami, which is the tradition of appreciating the fleeting beauty of cherry blossoms. <laughs> and this cultural context uh, helps add layers of meaning to Japan's de decision to gift cherry trees to the United States as a symbol of uh, reconciliation and peace. The Yoshino cherry trees, specifically chosen for their elegant and delicate blossoms, were sent to Washington, D.C. and planted near the Tidal Basin. This location was carefully selected not just for its aesthetic appeal, but also because it has a historical resonance. The Tidal Basin is surrounded by many iconic monuments and memorials, so this was a good place. And the Tidal Basin's cherry blossoms have since become a prominent symbol of the enduring friendship between Japan and the United States. By offering these cherry trees, Japan extended a cultural olive branch, infusing the gift with profound meaning. The act created a tangible link between the nations through a shared appreciation for the beauty and symbolism of cherry blossoms. The gift of friendship is a testament to the power of fostering understanding and building bridges of peace, even after extreme tragedies like that of a nuclear bomb, especially after something like that, right? I love that story. So as we wrap up the topic of what to do when you don't like someone, remember that navigating challenging relationships is an ongoing journey. Embrace the power of finding common ground, like we talked about with Dr. Zialdini, and channel your inner, channel your inner Hermes, uh, who's the mediator who builds bridges of understanding. You can utilize practical tools like the CTR, CTFR model to help manage your thoughts and responses in difficult situations. And forgiveness, as we've discussed, isn't just a gift to others, but it's a crucial step towards your own happiness and peace. And finally, um, just try to approach in each interaction with someone as an opportunity for growth. Sometimes the most profound changes happen within us, and no one outside is any wiser. Let's keep striving for positive connections and relationships. Thanks for listening, peeps. I really appreciate all of your love and support. And until next time, live the vibrant life.